Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show. Giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR. 855 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Welcome listeners, you're listening to Brainwaves on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am on your dial. My name is Kiara and interviewing with me today is Ellie. Hi listeners. And today on the show we have Louise Ponton. Uh, Louise is a clinical exercise physiologist specialising in the area of mental health and well-being. Her passion for health, movement and the human body has led her to study a Bachelor of Exercise and Health Science and more recently a Master of Clinical Exercise Physiology. Louise currently works at Headspace in the Youth Early Psychosis Program and has her own business called The Mind Movement. Thanks Louise for coming on the show today. Can you tell us a little bit more about your role with The Mind Movement? Sure. Uh, You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I started The Mind Movement because I was just so passionate about spreading the word about how exercise and movement can really help our mental health and well-being. So the way that I'm mostly working with people at the moment in that context is over the phone or Skype and doing sort of health coaching and supportive or supporting people from a distance to kind of starting to get moving in the context of improving their mental health. Wonderful. And how long how long have you been doing that for? Probably about just over a year. So I'm working part-time for Headspace in the yep. Youth Early Psychosis Program. So I'm doing the mind movement stuff um, separately. I'm also blogging there. I've got a website and so I'm kind of interacting with people online quite a lot. Okay. And what, I suppose, inspired you to get the mind movement together and happening? What was the, the reasoning behind that? It was definitely very much influenced by my own sort of lived experience of depression and how much, or sort of over the years of dealing with that, I realised how much uh, exercise and what I was eating um, and the way that I was sort of living my lifestyle really affected my mood. So I started to use exercise as a kind of tool to manage my mood. And yeah, I was really surprised that there just wasn't more sort of one-on-one support available for people who wanted to try and use exercise as a tool. I guess having experienced, you know, how difficult it can be to get motivated to get out of bed and get moving and stuff when you're feeling pretty low and also not necessarily feeling comfortable doing something like going to a gym where there's a whole lot of people around if you're feeling pretty crappy. What are some of the ways in which you do, uh, I guess, implement that? Uh, You said you do it uh, obviously via like online means. How do you, uh, I guess, put that into place with someone you're working with? Yeah, I guess like in... A lot of the cases, um, I mean, there's no specific exercise that is known to be, um, you know, improve mood. Mm -hmm. So it's not like everyone can come in and get a specific thing where I just say, here's your program that's for you and go off and do it and you'll be fine. It really depends on what 
the person enjoys, what they're capable of, what feels good for them. So in that context, it kind of actually ends up being a lot of the stuff that I do ends up just being about talking with people. So I suppose anyone could go and see, you know, a personal trainer or go to a gym or something like that. The type of exercise that people are doing isn't necessarily so much the important thing as much as working through the difficulties with motivation or um, planning or dealing with um, setbacks or barriers and that kind of thing. So that's where I kind of work um, more deeply with people and some of the stuff I suppose we might do is looking at um, values and, you know, getting really drilling down to the reason about the deep sort of why, about why people want to get moving and helping people to connect with why it's important for them and um, making really clear plans. So, you know, if you just say to yourself, I'm going to exercise three times this week, you know, on Monday and Tuesday, you're kind of like, oh, I've got the whole week to do it. Like, you know, I'll do it later in the week. And then it gets to like Wednesday and Thursday and you're like, oh, I'm really busy. I'll do it on the weekend. And then it gets a sad day and all of a sudden you've gone the whole week, you haven't done any exercise and there's no days left. We've all been there. Right? (laughs) Right? Yeah. And that certainly like that, you know, that issue isn't something that's specific to people that have mental health issues. That's like everyone in the entire world across the board, like who's trying to exercise has that. Yeah. So a lot of the things that I'm doing with people, I suppose it's not specialised in terms of mental health stuff. Um, It's more specialised in terms of the behavioural aspect. Mm. And I suppose I can just come from a place of maybe a bit more understanding and compassion because I've kind of been through that Mm. myself. Yeah. So from from your experience, you know, obviously speaking from a... Um, a, a personal experience, but also in a professional aspect as well. Yeah, what, what's the link between the two? Mm, I suppose from a um, like a clinical perspective, there's a whole lot of changes that go on um, sort of in the body and in the brain when you are active, uh, so when you're exercising. Some of those include um, in increasing amounts of neurotransmitters in the brain. So the thing that everyone is familiar with is increasing like serotonin and dopamine, which are two uh, sort of chemicals that are known to improve mood and also improve things like motivation and attention, focus, that kind of thing. One of the probably lesser known chemicals that also increases in the brain is BDNF, which stands for brain-derived neurotropic factor. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, BDNF is much better. Yeah. And that's sort of become really, like, that's a really key area of focus at the moment in a lot of the sort of scientific literature. BDNF is known to sort of improve mood, improve uh, or increase the amount of new brain cells that are growing. And then with those new brain cells, um, enabling them to make uh, more connections with other brain cells. So it's really involved in that process that we call neuroplasticity Mm -hmm. or making the sort of new pathways in the brain I suppose there's no like specific consensus on like what depression is in the brain but one of the things that has been shown is that there's a sort of decrease in the amount of connections um, that go on between the different areas of the brain and certain for people that have depression for a long time um, certain areas of the brain can actually start to shrink in volume so there's less cells there's less connections between cells and that sort of theorize one of the theories about what's going on in the brain with depression and so BDNF is known to just reverse that kind of process so that's one theory about um, one of the ways that exercise can help mm-hmm. in terms of improving your mood but I guess depending on what you're doing, um, like it's so much more than just, you know, 
neurotransmitter increasing in your brain like there's a lot of psychological aspects to it as well so you know it can be a real mood boost if you set yourself a goal and then manage to achieve that goal you can get a real sense of like oh, I've actually achieved something and it can really increase your self-esteem yeah, yeah yeah exactly another one is like stress for example is sort of feeling like you don't have the capacity to deal with what you are dealt or that, you know, things are just overwhelming or uncontrollable, like you don't have a sense of control over what's going on. Whereas with exercise, it is a certain stress, like it does cause um, minor stress on your body, but it's a really controllable um, and predictable stress. So there's something sort of soothing in that aspect, I think, for a lot of people where it's, yeah, an area of their life that they can kind of make a change, um, achieve goals and predict and control what's going on when they're taking sort of really positive steps. I guess the other thing for me is that just for me personally, often if I'm exercising, it means that I'm getting outside, out of the house. Mm. Um, and even just that aspect, like I don't think there's any sort of brain scan or, you know, blood <laughs> test you can do that can explain that. But just the simple fact of getting out of the house, especially if that means that you're getting out of the house and going to the park or mm. for a walk along the river or to the beach or somewhere that's out in nature, um, you know, that's a whole other aspect as well. Yeah, I resonate with the sense of, of achievement if I'm, if I, even if I just, that if, you know, I've been at work all day, but I managed to go for a run, take the dog for a jog or whatever, I I hate it, you know, thinking about it and, you know, right before it happens, mm. but once it happens and once I've done it, I do feel that sense of achievement and I do feel better about it, like just in clarity of mind, but, you know, your mood's uplifted and you feel as though at least you've accomplished something. If you've done anything, you've done one thing for today. Mm. And I think it makes sense, like, you know, I don't know about what research there is to back this up, but intuitively, like, our bodies and, like, ourselves as humans are made to be out and about and being active mm. and, you know, we didn't sort of evolve to be sitting at desks all mm. day. And so I think, like, um, just from an intuitive sense, like, to be out, to be moving your body in the way that it, it sort of was evolved to be moving is... Like, it makes sense that that would make you sort of feel good. Yeah, mm. the sedentary lifestyle is not sort of what, as you say, wouldn't was not what we were meant to end up as. Mm. And so our body, our brain, which are inherently linked, mm. as you've been saying, need that element to be to be going back outside, to be getting the fresh air. And mm. I think and there are studies that show, I think, about um, just being out in fresh air and with greenery and the trees mm. and things like that. Parks, as you were mentioning, is really beneficial for our, our mental health and well-being. Mm. Um, and I think there's, I suppose, also the element of, I'm not sure with some of the people you work with, but maybe getting out there in the social aspect of it as well, the connectedness with other humans, with animals, as you mentioned with your walking your dog, Yara. Mm. Um, I think it all plays a huge part in just just activating everything within us. And as you said, like the BDNF, the, mm. fact, the growth factors, things like that, it's really important. It's awesome. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, you like so, some of the young people that I work with at Headspace, like they have said to me, you know, the best aspect of a certain physical activity group that we do is getting to hang out and chat with the other people that are also doing yeah. the group. And yeah, so that, you know, if you choose to get active in a group situation whether that's going to a class or going for a walk with a friend like yeah that can have a really big impact as well okay so there's clearly kind of two areas in which it can benefit it is that kind of on a neurological level but also on the kind of emotional and social aspect as as well what about physical what you know what are some of the positive impacts that physical exercise um, can have on our physical well-being as well 
Yeah, when I first started um, sort of looking into the research in this area, uh, I was really shocked to realise what the statistics were around um, people with severe mental illness and physical health. For example, like, so severe mental illness is... um, takes into account a lot of different types of mental illness um, but basically things where people's lives are significantly affected by them so that might be like psychotic illnesses or um, severe depression, um, bipolar, a whole range of different stuff but basically yeah you know that population has like obesity rates that are two to three times the general population. Um, They have a life expectancy that's 10 to 30 years less than the general population. They've got high cholesterol rates, five times that of the general population. Um, They're more likely to smoke. They're more likely to have diabetes. So, like, yeah, really significant um, impacts on physical health. And some of that is thought to be due to um, some of the medications that um, people that might have those um, conditions take. And some of it's also due to the lifestyle um, that people are often leading. Mm. So, yeah, really, like, shocking statistics for me when I first found out about that and I guess the good news is that exercise can have a really positive influence in that area. There was a a study done recently um, with a youth early psychosis program based in Bondi in Sydney and they took a bunch of young people who were just starting on um, antipsychotic medication which is known to often cause significant weight gain Um, And they put them through a lifestyle treatment program. So that included things like um, speaking with a dietitian, doing health coaching, seeing an exercise physiologist, um, as well as their usual psychiatric care. Um, And then they had a group of people who just had the usual care. And the intervention went over 12 weeks. And what they found is the people who were in the health and lifestyle um, participation group gained an average of 1.8 kilos over the 12 weeks, whereas the people in the usual care group gained an average of 7.8 kilos um, in the three months. Yeah, which is really significant. And then of of those two groups, again, 13% of the intervention group um, had significant weight gain versus 75% of the usual care group. So, yeah, really great study, which just really highlights, I guess, how effective it can be to have that health and lifestyle intervention at the beginning. So so this is with young people who are experiencing their first episode, episode of psychosis. So, yeah, preventing that really significant weight gain when people start on medication can be, yeah, really important. And, you know, I suppose the things that I was talking about, like the, the 10 to 30-year difference in life expectancy, most of that is due to um, premature heart disease. So the high cholesterol, the diabetes, heart disease, all of those things we know are really positively impacted by um, exercise. Mm. So being overweight or being obese is a risk factor for developing like heart disease and diabetes. Um, having high cholesterol is, having high blood pressure is, um, being inactive. So yeah, by incorporating more physical activity, you're able to decrease a whole lot of those risk factors and hopefully, I guess, have a more... Um, enjoyable life in the meantime as well. Yeah, so they're all they're all pretty serious illnesses that most people would want to avoid. And the idea that physical exercise can improve our well-being, extend our you know our longevity of life, the quality of life, it's not old news. We mm. know this. Mm-hmm. So why isn't it being um, 
implemented by clinicians, workers, practitioners, service providers, everybody. Why isn't it as widespread and as, as widely known as we would like it to be? Or put into practice. And put that's into practice. Yeah, well, when I saw, <laughs> million, million million when I saw that question, I was like, oh, gosh, how am I going to answer this? Yeah, I wonder the same thing. Um, so when I was studying, I was only really aware of one or two exercise physiologists in Melbourne who were working in the mental health area. Mm-hmm. And there has been a few more positions created this year, so people are really starting to get on board with it. I guess, and this is just a guess about why it hasn't happened so far, is that, you know, we've been quite stuck in a really, um, like, medical model mm-hmm. um, for many years. That's the way that we've sort of treated all illnesses, including psychiatric. But I think people are really starting to move away from that, and especially with this awareness around diet and exercise and how that affects a whole range of things, including mental health. With that growing awareness is coming a growing awareness around how, yeah, we really need to include it um, as first-line treatment. In the UK, you know, it's written in their national sort of health guidelines that exercise should be a first-line treatment for things like depression and anxiety. So... Yeah, my hope is that as I continue to do more things like radio interviews and mm. blogging and writing and, you know, and more exercise physiologists are getting into the area as well of exercise and mental health, that it's just going to be start to become more mainstream, mm. um, that everyone who goes to the doctor and says, you know, I've been feeling depressed or I'm feeling really anxious or whatever, the doctor says, okay, well, here's, you know, a referral to go and see an exercise physiologist mm, and, yeah. you know here's a referral to talk to someone about your diet because we know that these things have a really significant impact on your mood and your mental well-being. There are studies that have shown that exercise has, you know, an equal effect Mm, when it's compared to medications in some populations. And, you know, I guess it's really hard to say anything in a really broad statement because everyone with their experience of mental distress is different. And for some people, it's absolutely going to be the case that medication is necessary and that, you know, talk therapy and you know various other things but it's going to be a very very rare case where exercise would not be beneficial mm. even in yeah in some circumstance like any it's it's free to do yeah it doesn't cost anything that should be a big one why isn't mm. politicians should be loving this like really well and i think i think <laughs> that treatment that's yeah. probably <laughs> partly why it hasn't been well, in the yes. spotlight is because yeah. no one stands to make any money from exactly. it and so you know it's always really hard to get research dedicated to things where it's not sort of making some pharmaceutical company a lot of money that's a bit of a jaded um, opinion what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> it is also sometimes a, an easier option again speaking from my personal experience when I was depressed the last thing that I wanted to do was get up and go outside even just getting out of bed was hard so the idea of walking Oh, even walking around point, the block yeah. it's just not even conceivable and when someone promises you a magic pill you're going to take that a hundred times over actually having to put in the physical effort mm. to get the benefit yeah. from that and I think that's probably also an issue in terms of you know as I was talking about that person before who goes to their GP and says you know I'm feeling like this maybe the GP does say to them well look you know exercise could really help but if that person doesn't have anywhere to go or they don't mm. know how to exercise or they don't feel comfortable going for a walk at, you know, in the suburb that they live, then that's there's some major barriers. So, yeah, my hope is that there's going to be more sort of exercise professionals and, you know, like exercise physiologists and also, you know, specific places or um, centres that people could go to where they can access these services in a really supportive, mm. um, nurturing environment because I think that's really important as well when, you know, 
you're feeling really down yeah um, or you're really going through stuff yeah and it's true like and that's where I think as you said medication does definitely play a part and if you are feeling that depressed yeah speaking for us you you won't get out of bed like to go for a walk is the hardest it's not possible basically and I think medication does come into play and it is a necessary support for some for some people in some cases but hopefully maybe in conjunction with so alongside their support team or their psych the medication encouraging them and as you're doing like facilitating that um, and implementing that um, the opportunities for them to explore the physical aspects that can be of benefit is just it's pretty amazing like that's an awesome awesome job you're doing like Mm. the study they did in Bondi why haven't we heard about that why is that not big news that's what I'd like to know because it's that's a huge thing yeah, and I, I mean the the guys in Bondi have done some taken some really incredible steps in terms of getting it out there, and oh, you know good. that research is being shown worldwide, and yeah, they're doing amazing research up there. So yeah, I guess it is just more a matter of getting it out there more, and the more people yeah. are talking about it, and the more people that are having conversations about it, and yeah, the yeah. more people making might. it an option available to to everyone, mm. and having it as an option because yeah, if you're searching for supports and you're going to your GP, if the person you're putting your trust into isn't giving you that option or telling you about it, how are you going to know about it? Mm. So for the people that that you work with, Louise, you know, when you are working with someone who has really low motivation to get up and do anything, the energy level's really, really depleted. What are some of the barriers that you face and how do you you overcome them? Yeah, I mean, it's really tough. Like, it is really tough. Um, And I guess, you know, I've worked with people where they've, sort of given it a crack and then they've just said you know not like not able to do it and then I've worked with other people that have really committed to doing it really um, given it a crack and then they found that the act of doing it has sort of given them more motivation to keep going with it if that makes sense Mm. so getting started is a really difficult part and pretty much the place that I always start with people is wherever they are Mm. so if their very first act of physical activity is just um, getting out of the house and walking to the letterbox and back once a day you know that's still a starting point so I guess some of the difficulty when you say like exercise for mental health people think oh I've got to go to the gym like every day and like pump (laughs) weights yeah it's like um, a turn off (laughs) yeah yeah so um which is sort of why I called my business the mind movement because for me it's about movement versus exercise. Mm. So exercise being something that's a really... Um, quite threatening, really. It's quite this sort of element <laughs> of, oh gosh, well, really? I have to go for a run now? <laughs> yeah, so it, it's like a um, repetitive movement that you plan, you know, you start it and you mm. finish it um, versus movement, which... Um, We're could, doing all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Getting up out of your chair is movement. Reaching up to a shelf is movement. And so, yeah, I sort of really advocate for people getting moving, not necessarily going exercising. So... Um, it doesn't have that negative connotation I like that, to yeah. it. Mm. Yeah, exercise mm. is most people cringe when they hear exercise, <laughs> but movement, it's like, no, mm. it's it's a bit more neutral. Mm. And, you know, sometimes the movement that you need might be getting down on the ground and rolling around on the floor and, mm. you know, stretching or even just laying on the floor can be a different experience for people if you've been sitting in a chair for a really long time or, you know, getting a tennis ball and like rolling it under some of your muscles or something like that can be a really nice relaxing way of getting moving. Other things, I guess, that people might not necessarily think of is like trying um, dancing or martial arts or rock climbing or kayaking or bushwalking or there's a lot of different ways to get moving that aren't sort of lifting weights in a gym. So, yeah, coming back to your question, I guess it depends where where people are starting from and where they want to be. I find with motivation, um, I think I mentioned this earlier, like it can really help to work with people to figure out what their kind of 
underlying um, reasons are for doing something. So, you know, they might say, well, I wanted to do exercise for my mental health. But, you know, we might work together to dig sort of down underneath that to be to figure out what do people really value? Why is it that they want to improve their mental health? What is it that they really believe about exercise that could help them? What are they hoping to get out of it? Getting really clear about those things can really make it a bit more clear. Mm. (laughs) at at risk of repeating myself here Um, but can make it sort of more clear in people's minds about yeah why they're doing it you got to give them you got to give them a purpose yeah Yeah. and hopefully something that they've they've sort of had a had come up with in line with you not something that yeah sometimes you have people just go oh go do it go for a run go for a walk you'll be fine and that's not as helpful as if it's something that you've come up with Mm. as as like on your own terms as well with the support of someone like yourself to encourage it and very often I don't end up prescribing people an exercise program because, mm. as I said, there's not a specific number of hours or minutes or whatever. In some of the reviews that I've read, there, there are sort of broad uh, summaries that say, well, you know, the average of all of the exercise um, interventions was 30 minutes a day on three days a week at 60 to 80% of um, their maximum intensity or something like that. But I don't really find that super helpful personally, um, unless you're one of those types of people, which, you know, there are those types of people who like to have a really specific number and a really specific day and time and duration. And for those kind of people, that might work. But um, for the majority of people that I work with and for myself as well, I find it's much, much nicer to focus on, well, what's enjoyable and what makes me feel good. And it doesn't matter about sort of minutes and intensities and percentages and and I guess like the other thing with motivation is the beauty of moving for mental health and well-being is that you get a um, immediate benefit so for a lot of um, exercise that people do you know it might be they might be exercising um, to train for a marathon or a triathlon or often people are exercising because they want to lose weight and in that situation you've got to exercise on the day for some future goal that's, you know, two, three, six, ten months into the future. And it can be really hard to maintain your motivation when the thing that you are wanting to achieve is so far away. But the beauty of moving for your mood is that in the moment that you're exercising and immediately after you've finished, that's when you get the benefit from it. So you don't need to start exercising and go, well, I'm going to exercise for a month and then maybe I'll feel less depressed at the end. It's actually in the moment that you're doing the exercise, Mm. that's when you feel better. So when you sort of have, when you notice that you have those thoughts of like, oh, I don't really feel like going for a run, you know, I'm feeling really tired or whatever, I'm feeling really down, I don't have energy, I feel really unmotivated, that's actually the time when you'd be best off going for a run because that's the time where going for a run is going to help you mm. and you'll know you'll notice the difference more because someone, you're going from no to oh okay i feel good <laughs> someone once told me that when you do have those thoughts to just get up and just go because if you sit around waiting for the motivation <laughs> you'll never ever get up mm-hmm. the motivation never comes mm-hmm. you've got to be the one to Make get yourself up and move because then that'll kick start uh, you know it's like a domino effect you know mm. you'll get that rush from exercising and you'll think oh hey that wasn't actually so bad so then the next time you'll think oh, okay well when I went for a stroll whatever mm. it might be I didn't actually felt okay afterwards mm. maybe I'll do it again mm. yeah some of the other ways that I um, sort of you know offer as tips to people if they're having trouble with the motivation is keeping a log of the movement that they've done and how their mood was and how their energy was before and after a lot of the time people will 
sort of start to see a pattern that actually they feel more energetic and they feel a bit more uplifted in their mood and it can really help to have that sort of written down in front of you as kind of proof Mm. and the other one is uh, sort of what you were saying before about uh, ignoring those thoughts that come up Um, often what I work on with people is using different techniques to get a bit of distance from what they're thinking and not getting caught up in the thought patterns of, oh, I can't do it, I feel too tired, oh, I don't have the energy, it's too hard, and instead recognising that you can have all of those thoughts going on in your head and you can still actually choose to get up and do something. Can I ask, for you know, for our listeners you know, who may be um, wanting to improve their mood by utilising physical activity, what would, be, what would be your advice to them? To start off with, I'd say um, if you're a person that hasn't been doing any exercise for a really long time and you do think that you would like to start doing some exercise, I would always recommend going just to see a GP and just saying that you're thinking of starting to get moving. Uh, It's always a good idea just to check in and just make sure everything's sort of good to go physically. After that, if you felt like, if you know the listeners felt like they needed more support in order to do that, um, definitely I'd recommend looking up an exercise physiologist nearby that could support them with that. Checking in with family and friends is a really good place to sort of start voicing what your intentions are. They can really help to keep you accountable. Having a think about the type of movement or physical activity that you've done in the past that you've really enjoyed can be a good place to start as well um, if you haven't been doing anything for a while or even just something that you've always thought, oh, I wish I'd, you know, I'd really love to try that. That can be a really good place to start. And at the very base is just walking, pretty much the easiest and cheapest way just to get started. Um, And the the beauty of walking is that, you know, there's no sort of minimum or maximum that you need to do. Like if if all you're up to is going out to the letterbox and coming back, just going once around the block, like that's a perfect place to start. Mm. So... um, well, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much yeah, for, thank you. for coming on the show, Louise. It's You're been welcome. a pleasure. You can listen to our podcasts on our website at brainwaves.org.au. Feel free to tune in next week at 5pm on 8.55am for Brainwaves. Stay tuned for Renegade Economists. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.